the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. WTWD Plant City. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Listen, if you're a fiery individual, when God saves you, you're not going to be a subtle, kind of quiet person. Be who you are. Let the Lord transform you, but be who you are. He's not changing that temperament. He's just going to mold it to be like Christ. Hello, this is Peter Silseth. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series of lessons about the 12 disciples, 11 of whom become apostles. Today's lesson is the conclusion of this six-day study of the King's Ambassadors. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now his ministry has expanded to include these daily Bible studies. In our previous class, Pastor Steve introduced us to Nathaniel. In fact, turn now, if you can, to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 48. Nathaniel had just privately expressed some skepticism about Jesus and was wondering how Jesus knew about it. Then we will go on to meet a man who was just about as opposite as you can get from Nathaniel, yet God used both of them for his kingdom. In fact, there was a tremendous variety of temperaments among the twelve. That's one important characteristic of that small group. But there is one other characteristic that is even more important not only for them, but for you and for me, if we want God to use us. Now, here is Pastor Steve with our lesson. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him before, Philip called you when you were under the fig tree. I saw you. What Jesus is telling him is, I can see everything. I'm, I'm all-knowing. I saw you. I didn't even need to be in your presence. He's telling him, I'm, I'm God. I have these divine attributes. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Folks, this is a very brief conversation. But this man becomes convinced, decisive, quick to believe. He would have known very well the scriptures. That's why Philip approached him and said, this is the one that you've been studying about. This is the one Moses and the prophets wrote about. You know the scriptures. We found him. And Nathaniel becomes convinced. By the way, by calling Nathaniel an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile, the Lord was affirming that Nathaniel was a true Jewish man in the sense that he was a true son of Abraham, the believer. That's what he's saying. The father of all who believe, you're just like your father Abraham, a true Jew. You are a true Israelite. And when he said, one who has no guile, no deceit, he, he, he was saying, unlike the religious leaders 
of Israel, you are not hypocritical. You are not deceitful like them. You're a man with a believing heart. Nathaniel, that's the way he was. On the other hand, there's Thomas. Thomas was not like that. He was not decisive. He was not quick to believe. He was skeptical. He will forever be remembered and known as doubting Thomas, the one who said, I'll not believe unless I can see those wounds and touch them. I'll not believe. While Nathaniel was an optimist who just needed a, a brief talk from Jesus to convince him that he was the Messiah, Thomas, on the other hand, was a pessimist who tended to anticipate the worst case scenarios. Thomas lived in the world of Murphy's Law. It, whatever could go wrong will go wrong. Now, let me just show you. And the point of all of this, I want you to look at John 11, but the point of all of this is to see how ordinary these men were and, and how diverse and distinct from one another they really were. Let me set the context for you. In John chapter 11, Jesus has recently left Jerusalem and Judea because the, the religious leaders wanted to kill him. And Jesus did not want to have a conflict with them at that point. This wasn't his time to have a conflict with them. So he leaves Judea, but word comes to him that his good friend Lazarus has just died. And so now Jesus wants to head back to Judea because that's where Lazarus was. He was from Bethany, which is right uh, by Jerusalem. John chapter 11, let's break in at verse seven. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews, meaning the Jewish leaders, we're just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? I mean, what they're saying is, do you realize if we go back there, we're walking into a, a, a hornet's nest? They're going to try to kill you. Why go back there? Now, verse nine is a very upbeat, positive, optimistic statement by Jesus. I'll read it and then I'll, I'll briefly comment on it. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. In essence, what the Lord is saying is that it's all right. This is the daytime of his ministry. He's safe. He's protected. God the Father is not going to let anything happen to him to take his life. There will be a time when the leaders will take his life. That will be in the nighttime. He's speaking in a symbolic, metaphorical sense. He's just saying, you know what, guys, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Where I'm walking in the daylight, nothing's going to happen. So let's go back to Jerusalem. But they don't get it. They don't get it. Verse 11, this he said, and after that, he said to them, my friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Now, the disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. They, they don't understand he's talking about death, which is what John goes on to tell us. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to him plainly, Lazarus is dead. I mean, these guys were not the sharpest tools in the shed. So he's, he has to just spell it out plainly. And he said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. So he's saying, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm going to be able to show you a demonstration of my power in raising Lazarus from the dead. Now watch this. The Lord has been upbeat. The Lord has been positive. He said, I'm walking in the daylight. Nothing's going to happen to me. Notice verse 16. Here's Thomas. Therefore, Thomas, who was called Didymus. Didymus, by the way, means twin. So Thomas either had a twin brother or sister that we're not told about in scripture beyond this statement. He said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. Now, folks, if that's not a pessimist, I don't know what is. 
Jesus has just said nothing's going to happen. Thomas, now you have to admire his courage. He's willing to die. But it's a, it's a courage mixed with pessimism and gloom. If we have to go with him, let's go and die and get this over with. He's just a pessimist. Now, for a moment, I want to skip the next apostle, which is Matthew himself. I'll come back to Matthew in a moment. But let's briefly look at two other apostles. James, the son of Alphaeus, otherwise known as James the Less. Remember, we saw last week, little Jimmy. And then there's Thaddeus, who's also called Judas, not Iscariot. There really isn't a great deal more to say about them than what we said when we looked at these men. James the Less just appears to be a small, quiet man, man who stayed in the background of the other more prominent apostles. That's, that's really all you can say about him. Just don't know a whole lot. Then there's Thaddeus, who makes one statement in the Gospel of John where Jesus said, I, I uh, have disclosed myself to you men, but not to the world. And Thaddeus speaks up and he wants to know why. Why us and not the world? Now, what that reveals is two things. Number one, his humility. Why us? We're just nobodies. Why would you reveal yourself to us? But it also indicates a tenderness for the world. When he said, why why aren't you revealing yourself to the world? In other words, he had a concern that others in the world come to know Jesus, not just us. Lord, let, let the world know about you. We know about you, but let the world know about you. That's pretty much all you can say about these men. Now, we go back to the apostle that we skipped, Matthew. Matthew, consider how different he was from the next man mentioned, Simon the Zealot. Matthew had been a corrupt tax collector who worked for the Roman government. The Jewish people hated tax collectors. They were crooks, number one. Secondly, they considered them traitors to the, to the people because they, they despised Rome. And then you had Simon the Zealot who not only despised Rome, he did something about it. He's called the Zealot, as I told you, not because he had great zeal, but The Zealots were a political group, a political group in Israel who despised the Roman government so much that they actually assassinated Roman soldiers, uh, Roman officials, and they would assassinate Jewish people who were in favor of Rome. So there would have been a time where Simon the Zealot, if he had the opportunity, would have killed Matthew, the tax collector. And now, ironically, They're put together. Listen, they couldn't be further apart politically. This is like taking a flaming liberal and a right-wing conservative and putting them on the same team. That's precisely what it is. Jesus called both of these men to work together in serving him as apostles. Talk about diversity. Matthew and Simon would never have anything to do with each other apart from Christ. The last apostle mentioned by Matthew was that betrayer, Judas Iscariot, who there's nothing good to say about Judas. He was different from all the other men, not only because he was unsaved, he never was converted, but Judas only cared about himself. That's all. The Bible has nothing positive to say about Judas. He followed Christ only to benefit Judas. Here's how John MacArthur in his book, 12 Ordinary Men, describes Judas Iscariot. He writes, Judas was not attracted to Christ on a spiritual level. He followed Jesus out of a desire for selfish gain, worldly ambition, avarice, and greed. He sensed Jesus' power, and he wanted power like that for himself. He was not interested in the kingdom for salvation's sake or for Christ's sake. He was interested only in what he could get out of it. Wealth, power, and prestige were what fueled his ambitions. Now, folks, that's the list of the 12 apostles. 
12 men with incredibly different personalities, character traits, perspectives on life, and even just opposite political views. But Jesus brought them together, worked for his advancement, the advancement of his kingdom, and he used each of them to impact the world. And you know what? Though we are not, we are not the 12 apostles, obviously. God still brings people of great diversity together in local churches just like ours. What's really no different in principle Some of us are fiery, like James and John. Others are more laid back, like James the less. Some tend to be extremely zealous, like Peter. Some are more cautious, like Philip. We have different views on politics. Some are pessimists, some are optimists. Some are more visionary. Some are just detailed-oriented. They're not visionary at all. But regardless of our natural bends and peculiarities, God has put us all together, and we are to function like that under the authority of Christ, and he has a unique ministry for you. He made you the way he wants you to be, apart from your sin, wants you to change in terms of your sin, but not in terms of who you are. He wants to use you to be the person that he created you to be, and you know what? He uses all kinds of people, all kinds of people. People who we might say are a little strange, people who we might say, well, they're kind of normal. I don't even know what that means. But I do remember in studying this, the Lord brought to my mind, my, uh, my dear friend Phil Johnson said to me when we were students at uh, Bible college, he said that, that he had discovered in reading Christian biographies that God often uses men who are strange and with real idiosyncrasies. And then he looked at me and he said, I think you're going to be greatly used by the Lord. And um, I don't know if that was a backhanded compliment or what. I don't even know how to respond to that. I'm not even sure if he was serious. Knowing him, he was very serious about that. But you know what? God wants us to be who we are. Don't try to be like somebody else. People are often not content with who they are. But God has made you and and fitted you with a unique personality. Be who you are. Accept that. Don't accept your sin. We need to change. We need to continue to repent. But your basic makeup, listen, if you're a fiery individual, when God saves you, you're not going to be a subtle, kind of quiet person. Be who you are. Let the Lord transform you. But be who you are. He's not changing that temperament. He's just going to mold it to be like like Christ. I mean, you see this in the lives of these men. Peter's aggressive and zealous nature continued after he was saved. There was the work of progressive sanctification so that the Lord tamed Peter's sinful pride and instability and and rashness. But Peter was still zealous. Peter was still aggressive. He didn't become a background kind of a guy. Same thing with John. John was still a fiery man, still had spirited ways, under the control now of the Holy Spirit, but his thunderous nature continued to be his thunderous nature. He was the perfect man to write the book we call 1 John. 1 John was ju- is just like the Apostle John. Firm, explosive, strong statements. It's a straightforward book, black and white, clear-cut, uncomplicated. It, it was per- a perfect fit for John. See, the point of all this is be yourself. God uses people of great diversity. Be who you are. Make sure your, your sin is dealt with, but, but in personalities. And even quirks, as long as they're not sinful quirks, be yourself. So far, we've seen two qualities that made the apostles usable. They were common men who knew they were common men. They were men who were diverse. There's a third quality about these men, and and we just need to briefly touch on this. And it brings it all together. They were teachable men. 
Why were they so useful? They were teachable men. Yes, they did have negative traits, but there's one trait that could overcome all of their negative qualities. And Jesus saw this in these men, made them like this. One trait that could overcome every single negative trait and make them usable, and that is that they were all teachable. They were really men who wanted to learn the truth from Jesus. They didn't think they knew it all. They didn't think they had all the answers. And the reason we know this is because in the Gospels, they always seem to be asking questions. Have you noticed that? Lord, explain this parable to us. We don't, we don't get it. Now, I told you, I don't think they were the sharpest guys on the planet, but they did want to learn. Lord, explain this to us. Explain how the temple will be destroyed. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the truth? Listen, to indicate how slow these men were, and I'm not sure we would have been any, any quicker, but remember after three years in John 14, Philip speaks up and says, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient. He probably thought he was making a brilliant statement, but it wasn't brilliant. Jesus said, Philip, how long have I been with you? I've been with you three years. What do you think I've been doing for three years? I mean, that's really what he's saying. You just imagine the Lord sighing, Philip, have I been so long with you and yet you don't know? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're of the same essence. You look at me, it's like you're seeing God the Father. We are, while they're the, in the triune Godhead, there are distinct three persons. They're all the same essence. I mean, it, it's like, Philip, what, what do you think I've been doing for three years? But that's what, where Philip was. So they weren't the brightest guys, but they sincerely wanted to know the truth. That's why they had first joined John the Baptist movement. They were looking for the Messiah. And listen, when these men realized they found the truth, they hung on to it. They hung on to it because in John chapter 6, after some so-called followers of Christ stopped following him, Jesus turned to the 12 and he said, are, are you going to leave too? And Peter the spokesman for the group, impetuous Peter, speaks up and said, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. We're with you, Lord. They didn't understand it all, but they were with him. And, and that's to their credit. Listen, folks, Christ uses people who are teachable, people who want to know the word of God for the purpose of not simply knowing the word of God, but for the purpose of obeying the word of God. God doesn't honor us if you want to fill your mind with, with just Bible facts. I know people like that. They want to impress others with how much they know. That's not what we're talking about. He uses those who are teachable so they can obey him. The great danger, though, is that sometimes when you've been a believer for a while, you reach a point where you think that, you know what? I don't have anything new to learn. I, I really know it. I know it all. I've got my theology all worked out and I wouldn't want anything to disrupt my belief system. That's a great danger. That's a great danger. We don't follow a system of theology. We follow the word of God. Now, if it fits into a system, fine. But the system is not our authority. The, the scriptures are. So you want to be careful about that. Well, I believe this for years. And I don't really think I can change. Listen, if you are convinced that the word of God teaches something else than what you have believed, then you change. You also want to be careful that you don't reach a point where you think, you know, I'm, I'm too old to change. I, I had an older gentleman tell me this sometime back when we were discussing something. He said, you know what, I've, I've believed in, in this so long, I, I, I can't change. And I thought, that's terrible. If the Bible teaches something, you need to be willing to change. 
You know the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's the way some people think. But I love what Jay Adams says about that. We are not old dogs. We're not dogs. We are, we are Christians, and Christians change as we learn from the Word of God. So listen, Christ wants all of us to have open hearts to His Word. And when you're open to His Word, He'll use you. Why? Because He uses people who obey His Word, who have an attitude that Lord, use me. I want to be a vessel fitted for the master's use. And how does he how does he communicate to us through his word? So be open to his word. So those are the apostles. That's what we learn from them. And folks, we we are to learn that we are just as common as they are. If God can use them, he can use us. We learn also they had distinct personalities. If God can use them with a great diversity and mold them under the influence of the Holy Spirit, then he can do that with us. And they were teachable, never reaching a point where they felt like they knew it all. We can be teachable too. Let's bow for prayer. If you want to be used by the Lord, then you you have to have these qualities in your life. Do you recognize how common you are? Denounce all pride. Denounce all pride. It starts with your attitude. Recognize that you are nothing. Just take it by faith. That's what scripture says. Secondly, be free to be yourself. Don't try to be somebody that God didn't make you. Don't don't try to change your unique personality thinking that you'll be more spiritual like that. Be who you are and be teachable. Are you teachable? Do you have an attitude that says, Lord, whatever your word says, just show me, convince me, teach me your truth, and I want to obey it. You'll be used that way. But listen, before the Lord can use you, You first have to come to him for salvation. That's what the apostles did. They first became followers of Christ, recognizing that they were sinful, recognizing that without, they didn't understand it fully until later, but that Jesus was the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Christ died for sinners like us. And if you'll believe on him, repenting of your sin, trusting him with all of your heart, that he died in your place. And the Bible says that God will forgive you of your sin and you'll enter into a relationship with him. So different from religion to know him. I urge you to do that. Father, thank you for teaching us this morning. Thank you for the example of these men. Lord, we, we can relate to them. We see ourselves in them. And we say, if you can use them to turn the world upside down, you can certainly use us. And I pray that each one of us would have that heart's cry to say, Lord, use me. Help me to recognize that I, I am nothing. Just, just common, a common vessel, a common jar of clay. But I want to be used in an uncommon way. Lord, help us to accept who we are and not try to be something we're not. To be free to be ourselves. I thank you that you've made us all different. It'd be really boring if we were all the same. I thank you that you use people who are uh, zealous and people who are cautious. And and Lord, help us also to try not to change people to be like us. If anything, we have to be changed to be like Christ. And Lord, help us to be teachable, to be those who come under the authority, not of a uh, religious system, but to come under the authority of the word of God, not Protestantism, not what some of us have been taught, even in Bible college or seminary, unless it is the word of God. Father, I pray for those who may not know you. I pray that as you drew the apostles to yourself, 
calling them to follow you. You'll call those in our congregation who may not know you to really follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve. I hope you found encouragement as well as challenge in these lessons about the King's ambassadors. Did you see yourself in some of the disciples? I sure did. They were pretty rough around the edges, but God used them in incredible ways because they submitted to His teaching. May we too submit to God's Word. We are glad you could join us for another verse-by-verse radio Bible class. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff has been guiding us in some lessons about the King's ambassadors taken largely from Matthew chapter 10. For more than 26 years, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now, Verse by Verse Ministries makes his expository messages available through this fine radio station as well as our own website. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners like you who have first been faithful to their own churches. Our web address is versebyverseradio.org. You can find today's class as well as previous classes there at the website. If you're interested, we offer a free podcasting service so you can catch all the programs. Once again, that's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear Pastor Steve's entire message at once, you can order a cassette tape or an audio CD. Please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number and we will return. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.